How about that? Man, what a piece of shit. <laughs> what, what, what version of Windows is this computer even running? I, I think that... I mean, I'd go look, but if I like pull up the sends or something, the computer's going to crash. So Okay. All right. The important It'll, thing... Yeah. Hello, pod people, and welcome back to another episode of Big Bad Nonsense. I am Biscuit. No, I'm not. I'm Sock. <laughs> Great. We're off to a fantastic start. Uh, Been a while, huh? <laughs> I'm Sock, and I'm sitting here with my good friend Biscuit. Biscuit, say something. I'm going to say as much as I can on this computer that is um, really it's on the back. It's not on the back nine. It's on the 18th hall. Yet, despite the fact that you're on an ancient computer, it sounds miles better than your your phone did. Yeah, I mean, it's still an upgrade. I was just, like, shoving a grapefruit into the USB on my phone and yelling at it for the past year or whatever, so. <laughs> uh, Biscuit, would you like a joke? I sure would. Okay, I'm going to whip out Joe jokes. And I, I have my joke book, too, if you'd like. But oof. I don't know if we'd like that. Do we Do we like that idea? Uh, I'm just going to get out of the way because I open it up to knock-knock jokes, and they're really short. So we All can right. just say that we did it and move on with our lives. Okay, go ahead. Knock-knock. Um, Who's there? Annetta. Annetta who? Annetta Wisecrack, and you're out of here. Isn't that funny? The, I, I know. Okay, now you go. I understand that it's supposed to sound like another, but Aneta doesn't sound like another. That's no, no, no. Yeah. That 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 joke is terrible. Yeah. Speaking <laughs> of terrible jokes, what do you got for me today? <laughs> All right, listeners, I've pulled out Joe jokes again for those of you who have not listened to us before. Joe jokes is a book of jokes compiled by a Slovak man who translated a bunch of quote-unquote Slovak jokes into English rather poorly, probably using some sort of online translator like Google Translate. And now, Biscuit, you must choose for me the topic, either business, school, religious, doctors, marriage, police, children, pub, he, she and he, or another. I don't think we've done children yet. Let's do that. Okay. So... Don't children. isolate that sound. <laughs> do not clip that and put it on YouTube. Yeah, that... Context is important on that sentence. <laughs> uh, okay, this book is poorly indexed, so just bear with me here. So we, in fact, have not done children yet. Here is the first joke, okay? <laughs> Don't isolate that either. All right. Uh, <laughs> God damn it. Okay. Mother tells to five years old son, when you will not be good, the witch takes you. Well, Mum, perhaps you will not force me to an unhappy marriage. Hey, I get it. Do you? Can you explain you know, it to me? I, it's kind of like that old, like, married with children sort of mentality. You know, we all have wives. We all hate them. Like, no, ma'am. So the wife is the witch, which I guess even with that, um, it's still not really a complete thought. Basically, saying that women are bad and that's the and that's the funny part all right thanks joe jokes all right i'm tossing this book aside and i'm going to declare this segment finished and we're going to move on to the next one yes please <laughs> biscuit what say something positive before we open up the mailbag i got the computer turn on is that the only it took positive a long thing? time. <laughs> Nothing else? Um, I cooked the turkey for Thanksgiving and it kicked ass. Yeah? Pretty proud of that. Complete with stuffing? Made my own stuffing from scratch too, yeah, so that's pretty fun. Well, you are renowned as a good cook, so I'm sure it was delicious. Did you save me any? It, uh, no. I mean, at this point, you wouldn't want it. <laughs> All right. I, it was a really, I, I got to get this into, it was a really snooty turkey, too, like a high-end one from a butcher shop. Um, so when you're around Thanksgiving, you're thinking turkeys like 
69 cents a pound or whatever, right? It's really cheap. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mine was four ninety nine a pound. That turkey cost a hundred dollars. Holy shit! Yeah. So I mean, if I had fucked that up, whoops. All right, mailbag stuff. You, you gonna ask me to say something positive? Oh yeah. We have not done this in a long time. Um, would you like to tell me about your bicycle? <laughs> no, my positive note is that uh, I got married. Oh shit! I. Yeah, I forgot about that. Good job. <laughs> How's it going so far? Uh, well, I mean, we've been together for so long that, like, it's 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 just... You basically were already? Yeah, it's a formality at this point. But, I mean, now she gets everything if I die suddenly. Yeah, so, I mean, her long game's working out. <laughs> anyway, yes, well, the mailbag. Well, we all congratulate you very much, so, on your nuptials. Yeah, it was a very small ceremony, and luckily we were able to get it in just before the COVID color code changed to uh, the worst possible level, and now we're all in lockdown. So luckily we got that under our belt? Yeah, that would have been unfortunate if you were supposed to do that like tomorrow, huh? Yeah, it would. It definitely would. But we got our first Omni, 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 omnibus whatever variant case in the united states confirmed like two days ago yeah Yeah. sure (laughs) okay uh and here i got one i got one more thing on this i'm sorry i'm sorry okay i I have not talked in so long Mm -hmm. um so did you know that they went with the omni omnibus or whatever because before that the options were new and you they didn't want to use that because they thought it'd confuse people and be like an Abbott and Costello skit if, you know, they mention it like the new variants here. Oh, what's it called? New. Yeah, I know it's new. What's it called? New. And they'd just be stuck in that forever. And then the next one was G that they skipped over that because the Chinese guy, Xi Jinping or whatever, they thought that would have um some kind of racist connotations in some people's minds. So they went to the omnibus. Isn't that fun? And, and you can't even pronounce it correctly. No. <laughs> Actually, they should have just called it, oh, shit. <laughs> you know what's funny is that uh, Joe Biden didn't pronounce it either. I saw his speech about it, and he called it the, the Omicron variant, but it's the Omicron variant. I mean, for him, that's pretty close. <laughs> Like, the most noteworthy thing about his presidency so far is that he farts a lot. Is that fact? It was another world leader. I can't remember which country, but it was at some conference, and I guess it came out that, like, he ripped a banger during that thing. So Wow. He's living his best life. Yeah, wonderful. Okay, the mailbag. God damn it, the mailbag. Uh, Okay, so the first letter i'll read here is from stephanie from parts unknown and she says where the hell are you guys yeah <laughs> uh what's sad is i think we had a longer break previously in our tenure okay i i think that um in in this case we probably have more listeners than we did when we first had that huge break <laughs> not anymore now yeah well, <laughs> well i uh, mean I mean, we, we had some shit, you know, this guy over here, he got married. Um, I went on vacation to New Orleans. Then I had a show another weekend that I wanted to go do that instead because fuck y'all and scheduling stuff. So, yeah, we, we've been trying, but this will happen again. Yeah, I know. And and like, the, like we do apologize for it, but like, come on, let's be honest. We're, we're the amateur hour here. Uh, I don't know if it's been mentioned on the podcast before, but I am a teacher and uh, teaching during a pandemic can be hellish, right? It requires a lot more work. So that sort of does dampen my free time schedule a little bit. I just think it's cool that somebody noticed we were gone. It it is very cool. It is indeed. Yeah. Thank you, Stephanie. Yeah. You sound (laughs) hot. Okay, uh, the next uh, letter we have is from John, not the John, but a John uh, from Minnesota. Uh, he's probably coming, though. <laughs> this John is from Minnesota, and he points out, uh, oddly enough, and this is, I guess this is a, an example of irony, he says that you have a lot of letters from people named John, 
on your show. And you're now one of them, John, from Minnesota. Yeah. Um, it's easy to have a lot of one name when like two people mail you. <laughs> well, uh, he's actually kind of right because we did get, I think, at least two emails before the whole Seagal John saga. Uh, we did get at least two emails from someone named John prior Two different Johns, actually, if I'm not mistaken. I actually went back and listened to the episodes and checked. So John is a pretty common name uh, for people writing to us. I, I mean, it's a common name in general. That shouldn't be surprising. Yeah, I was going to say, it, it'd be weird if we got a lot of emails from Nahasma Farts Face or something. But, you know, I mean, there's, there's a lot of people named John. Yeah, yeah so. exactly. Um, all right, fair enough. And the next one is... Thank from- you, Minnesota. <laughs> Uh, The next one is from Steve, uh, and he writes to say, hi. What's up? Okay. Thank you, Steve. Um, The next (laughs) letter. He might as well have written the. (laughs) Uh, The next letter is from Greg, and he says, please recommend something to cook because I'm out of ideas. Well, I need a little more to work with than that. Like, are you good at it? (laughs) Uh, He doesn't specify anything. He didn't even tell me where he was from when I wrote back to him and said, please tell me your location. Uh, And this is also in August. So uh, whatever he needed to cook is probably starved to death by now. We failed him. (laughs) He's dead. Um, I don't know. uh, Greg, today I made uh, I made um, what the hell did I make? Fuck, I can't even remember the name now. Uh, well, shit. <laughs> <laughs> I, Sounds I like just it made it like memorable. three hours ago too. God damn it! Yeah. What, 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 a new variant's a bitch, huh? Yeah. What's what's the uh, what's what's the Italian version of grits? Risotto? No, 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 no. You make it with corn flour. Oh uh, shit! Um, I polenta. You're supposed to know this. You made it. <laughs> Polenta. I made I made baked polenta. Polenta. Ah, yeah, yeah. There we that's go. That's a yes. fun one. Yeah, there we go. Yeah. So I was I ma- gonna I- say paella, but I think that's Spanish, so I would have sounded dumb. Good yeah, thing it I also didn't has, say that. It also has nothing in common with grits as it's made with rice and seafood. Yeah, well, I mean shrimp and grits is big here. Okay, fine. Go make shrimp and grits, whatever your name is that died in August. All right, can we please close up the mailbag? What? I'm having a great time. <laughs> what? There's no more letters. Oh, well, that's probably a good place to end then. (laughs) Oh, let's move on with the show. Sure. Biscuit. What? Actually, I should probably point something out before we continue with the the main segment here. Uh, The the Yevla goat is is up again. Yeah, that guy. (laughs) That's got to be... I mean, I feel like I said this last time around, but that's going to be kind of tough to burn down with all the COVID stuff. Mm-hmm. I would imagine like, so, yeah. Like, but I, Use your imagination, people. Yeah, I mean, uh, what, it's been, what, three years now that we've been reporting on the Yevla Goat? Yeah. Yeah, something like that. Isn't so that anyway, fun? Yeah, the Yevla Goat is, is up. Uh, it will be until just after New Year's, uh, unless someone burns it down. And if you burn it down before the 16th of december i think they will put it back up again so be quite an impressive feat this year so you know it's time for somebody to be a star yeah well if it happens uh i'd 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 be very curious to know place your bets actually i should go and put some money down on whether or not it's going to burn or not uh because you can bet on it here in europe like bookies will take bets on the yevla goat i feel like betting no this year you gotta bet like a hundred bucks to win like 50 cents Mm, maybe uh, we'll see. Anyway, I'll look it up and I'll let you know. Uh, but whatever. So uh, get on that uh, Twitter. You can go on Twitter and see the Yevla Goat tweeting. And uh, that's that. I think that was what our fourth or fifth episode. We talked about that. Yeah, sure. <laughs> and there's the science club and they do the little small one. Yeah. Then you precisely. hide in people's houses. Mm-hmm. Actually, oh, I God, like- my screen change. I almost had a heart attack. I was like, shit, it crashed. <laughs> I'd actually like to look something up here uh, just because it just occurred to my mind here. I'm looking at the, uh, yes, here we go. I wanted to point this out. Uh, 
currently the pinned tweet on the big bad nonsense uh, Twitter <laughs> is is our our minisode number one. Uh, since then, we've done about five episodes. This will be the fifth, I think. Uh, and Biscuit still has not updated that pin. So what you're saying is I'm running a little behind schedule. Uh, what I'm saying is is that Biscuit has basically turned the Twitter into his own personal uh, griefer fest. And it has nothing at all to do with the podcast uh, anymore. But uh, if you would like to follow Biscuit in his griefing fest, uh, you can go to at Big Bad Nonsense on Twitter or email us BigBadNonsense at gmail.com. I just thought I'd squeeze that in. Please follow me. I'm so lonely. <laughs> uh, anyway. That's why I yell at strangers on the internet. <laughs> Biscuit, you might notice that through Zoom, I've uh, put up a lovely little map for you to see. I see a globe. Yes, uh, a labeled globe, uh, thus making it a map. Oh, this thing's bullshit. It's not flat. <laughs> Don't get me started on that. No, no, no. No, this is nothing to do with flat earthers. Uh, this is, uh, in fact, to do with Russia, which means that you get to whip out your amazing Russian accent. Hey, vodka! I enjoy being miserable. <laughs> okay. Something about potato. <laughs> Now, viewers, you, you, you won't see it, but right now I've got Google Maps open and it's, it's focused in on the globe uh, showing Russia and, and Europe together. I've, I've got this here mainly because I need a visual aid for Biscuit because he does not understand geography, uh, as you can find out. Based in, on what? Uh, well, uh, I refer people back to our previous episodes where you do poorly in geography. Yeah, I mean, pretty much any one of them, I get something incorrect, so you can't miss. <laughs> That's why I've got the visual aid here today. Uh, Biscuit, we're going to be talking about a little bit of history of Russia. W what do you know about Russia? Um, I know that their leader um, is just kind of there because he wants to be. Mm -hmm. What And like the riches and the poors, they're like right next to each other. Like it's economically a very unstable region i um here's a little story about how i was a spoiled little shit growing up um i went on a cruise that we stopped in russia at one point and at the dock i could look about 500 feet to my left off the balcony and there was just a truck with a campfire and like a lean-to there and that's like some guy's house mm -hmm. so um there a lot of people there are struggling and you do not fuck around, say the government's bad, or you go bye-bye. Okay, what about historical Russia? I hear they've been there for a while, and they have, like, <laughs> palaces and shit. <laughs> Napoleon tried to invade them during the winter, and he fucked that one up. A, a lot of people have tried to invade Russia, and it doesn't usually go well for them, uh, primarily because Russia is absolutely gigantic. Yeah, it's a big boy, and um, there are some pretty hard scrabble guys there so you, you don't really want to fuck with russians yeah well then again you know russia has its downsides too we're going to focus on a little bit of a story about the russian navy sounds great yeah uh and this is going all the way back to the year 1904 and we're going to be discussing the russo-japanese war uh a very famous one that we learned a lot about in school you know nothing about it. I know. It's fine. I'm going to explain it all to you well, anyway. I'm guessing Japan was involved. Uh, yes, and Russia. <laughs> yeah, that too. <laughs> and there are clues all over the name on this thing. <laughs> okay. So first, before we get into the little details of the, of the incident that I'm going to be talking about, it's important to remind people that Russia is gigantic, right? It really is huge. It stretches all the way from here on the uh, west, uh, Easter, um, Eastern edge of Europe, all the way into Asia, which I'm showing to Biscuit now, but like people at home, you'll just have to take out your own map. I, I was going to say, I was going to mention if you didn't, um, he's literally using a cursor because I don't think he trusts. I understand what boundaries of a country are. <laughs> he's like, so this is one side. <laughs> 
Okay, so let's scroll over to where Japan is, and here's where it meets Russia. Now, there's a little area right in here where you'll notice, I'm going to draw it right there in the big blue circle. And this is where three countries meet on land. So over here, we've got China, and we've got Russia, and we've got Korea, all sort of converging in one spot. North Korea, that's a great place. I know that one. Okay, well, at the time that this story happens, there was no North Korea. So at the time, it was just sort of basically the area known as Korea. So it wasn't just a complete cesspool of death yet? Well, it was, but for totally different reasons. <laughs> okay, cool. <laughs> See, this is around the time where Japan, uh, Japan used to be an empire, of course. So at the beginning of the 20th century, Japan starts expanding into Asia. They're just basically gobbling up most of what they can, uh, including Korea and parts of China. Now, Russia, of course, is in this area at the same time because their empire expands all the way to the edge, meeting right up with, with Japan as well. And it sounds like they might have had a disagreement. They did have many disagreements. So we're going to talk about Port Arthur, which, is, which was a Russian port somewhere around here where Russia and Korea meet. Now, of course, Japan is expanding influence into the area. Uh, and they have a little bit of a beef. Russia's like, hey, could you chill? Japan is like, no, we're going to blockade this port. And that's basically what they do. Japan has essentially blocked the Russians off into this tiny little port. And this is like sort of the beginnings of the Russo-Japanese war. Yeah, I mean, blockades tend to not go over so good. Kind of fucks trade routes up a little bit, gets people mad. Yeah, exactly. So on and so forth. Now, of course, Russia is a major imperial power of its own at this time. So they're like, okay, let's go and kick the shit out of Japan. Now, they do have an incredibly big problem, though, in that, uh, well, if you think about Russia, I'd say maybe 80% of the people who live in Russia live just about over here in this part, the part closest to Europe. Uh, over here... In this gigantic chunk, over in the Asian part, there's probably maybe 20% of Russia's population, and they are spread incredibly thin. It's a very, very remote area. So they don't have a lot of people over near Port Arthur in order to deal with the whole Japanese problem. So that's like Siberia and that shit. Is well, Siberia is like the, the northern portion over here. Uh, it, it, it's not as relevant to this story. Like Siberia would be all this sort of area up around here. Uh, but um, the, the point is, is that most of the eastern portion of Russia is empty or very sparsely populated. It's just the way it is because there's not a lot there. It's mostly forest or empty steppes. And like you'll maybe find like a bunch of goat herders or something or some remote fishing villages, but not much else. Yeah, there's a lot of parts of that region that it is a very difficult um way of life oh absolutely and i mean uh, it's it, it, the, the point i'm trying to get here is that russia is gigantic like even if you dumped like you know three times of russia's population into that area you'd still have trouble filling it because it's just so it's it's huge and we're not talking about like two weeks ago we're talking about beginning of last century so Moving people, you couldn't do it in like three hours like you can now. No, exactly. Now, Russia does have a navy. And so the Tsar of Russia decides, hey, I'm going to send the navy and we're going to end this blockade by Japan of Port Arthur. Now, here's the problem. Russia, even though it is gigantic, has very few ports that they can actually launch boats from. Well, yeah, you'd think, like, particularly that northern part, like, just because there's water there doesn't mean it's in any way possible to navigate it without fucking up, like, half the time. It, exactly. I mean, like, you hit the nail on the head. This whole northern part up here of Russia is, it, it, it's frozen most of the year. You don't have warm ports. Like, you can't just drop a ship in there and go. And even if you could... It's so remote. Do you really want to like staff a naval base there? And as for the Asian portion, well, their warm water port is down here. It's Port Arthur. It's blocked. 
The other options that Russia has is they have control of the Black Sea or some ports on the Black Sea anyway, or uh, they have it up over here in the Baltic. Yeah, well, even if they, I mean, they wouldn't do this, but even if they were like, let's start there and let's go around by the time they got there, they'd be like the war ended three years ago. <laughs> well, this is actually what they do decide to do because at this point, like there's not really <laughs> nailed it. <laughs> at this point, like it, it's not like an, an ongoing war. It's like the, there are Russian troops in Port Arthur. They're blockaded. They can't leave. Japan won't let them. They're not actively fighting each other. Japan's just saying, you guys stay there and they don't have the boats to deal with it. So Russia's like, we got to send some boats there. So they come up with this grand plan that they're going to sail their boats out of the Baltic ports around Denmark, around Europe, through the Straits of Gibraltar, and then over to the Suez Canal, then across the Indian Ocean, and then go and kick Japan's ass. That looks very time-consuming. Uh, it is very time-consuming, and it will become even more time-consuming, as we will soon discuss. Because if we're talking about it, it went very well. <laughs> Now, it's important to remember that at the beginning of the 20th century, even though Russia was an imperial power, it was also a completely backward country. Now, I know people knock Russia nowadays, but like it is a modern country. Like back then, they were totally backwards. Feudalism still existed in Russia, basically. I mean, that's that's about as old school as it gets. They had like serfs and shit. Yes, they did. They absolutely did. That, like, that, con that existed right up until the October Revolution when the, uh, the Bolsheviks eventually took power and communism, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, and, I, and everybody loves them now. But yeah, that feudalism, I thought that shit ended in like 1500s. Guess mm, not. Not in Russia. Not in Russia. Their lives not remained miserable right up until, up until they continued to be miserable, actually. <laughs> I was going to say, and now today they wake up and they're like, yay. <laughs> well, I, I suppose at least it's not feudalism. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, they at least let you pretend that there's an election. <laughs> okay. So the man put in charge of this operation was uh, Admiral. And now I might pronounce this incorrectly. It is a very long Russian name and my Russian is terrible. But uh, Rojestvensky. Okay, was put in charge of this expedition. And it's closer than I would have gotten. Uh, well, probably, yes. Okay. So on the 16th. Let's just of call him Vodka Face. <laughs> okay. Rajastvensky uh, led the fleet out of the Baltic ports, setting sail from Libau, which is in Latvia. That was part of the Russian Empire at the time. And, uh, well, <laughs> things started poorly, I guess you could say. How so? Well, the flagship uh, escorting the, I guess, uh, flotilla of Russian ships uh, ran aground, and one of the cruisers lost its anchor chain. So the flagship's like the one that's leading the charge, and it fucked up? The, the flagship is basically the one in command, usually the one with the admiral on it saying, like, follow us, we're leading this whatever. <laughs> There, once they just watched it run aground, they're like, uh, he says smash into a building, so uh, <laughs> off go. This episode of Big Bad Nonsense is made possible by computers. You, you will see at several points that, um, the competence of the Russian Navy from the bottom all the way to the top is is questionable. Uh, so, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, you have to keep in mind, right, it's like I just mentioned, they still have feudalism at this point. The, the people who are the officers in the Russian Navy are there because they're some sort of important noble. They're not there because of extreme competence or something like that yeah they got guys that are manning boats that were probably like picking beans like two weeks ago like Precisely. Uh, they say i sail it now mm -hmm. exactly uh actually uh if i could just quickly look here no, and what's the deal with airline food oh you got it? okay i just wanted to check and see if rajas um jeez rajas was 
a noble himself, and it says here no, that he was the son of a physician. So I don't know if this was sort of a patronage position he was put into. The point I'm getting at is that he's not particularly competent either. You'll find out why. So they like put guys in charge of ships because like their family was rich? Well, the guys were made officers because their families were rich, basically. Not necessarily yeah. put in charge of ships. The, the whole point is that it's not a meritocracy in this situation, right? It's it's who you know and who you're connected to. Yeah, they're just like giving Kim Kardashian charge of the cannons or whatever. I don't know if they're still using cans at this point. I don't know. Sure. <laughs> they are. They are using naval guns that fire shells. Anyway, let, let's let's get back to the story. So they sail out of Latvia and uh, they're they've begun their journey. Now, the cruise both officers and regular men alike were incredibly paranoid because the there had been rumors about Japanese torpedo boats and Japanese mines. And they were incredibly paranoid about this because Japanese torpedo boats, of course, you can't see them. They're hidden below the surface and they can knock out your ship without you even firing a shot. So they were incredibly on edge. Now, torpedo boats, was that the ones that they like put a guy in basically like Made them a bomb because I know they did that later. Japanese like World War Two. Uh, yeah, the Germans and the Japanese as well did that in World War Two. But no, in this case, these are just boats that launch torpedoes. Okay, well, hence the name, I guess. Carry yeah, on. Ex exactly. Okay, so there's a lot of paranoia about this, and the paranoia was realized when uh, one of the boats uh, declared that they had seen a torpedo boat squadron. And uh, they immediately opened fire and panic spread throughout the fleet. And a bunch of them continued to open fire. And then they were like, ah, oh, shit, it's a whale. Uh, actually, it turned out to be a fishing boat. <laughs> uh, some guy is just trying to make enough so he doesn't die. He like, catches a fish. He's like, oh, I eat today. He looks up. He's like, oh, shit. Now, I'd also like to point out that at this point, uh, they haven't even passed Denmark at this point. Which I know exactly where that is, but for my reference, your little tool, please. Yeah, exactly. Okay, <laughs> so they've. Tool. <laughs> I'm drawing this here for Biscuit so he knows exactly what's happening, right? So they've left Latvia right here, and mm -hmm. they've sailed about this far. And they haven't even passed Denmark, which is here. So they got a ways to go. They have in. <laughs> They've already started murdering fishermen for no good reason. They've sailed maybe less than 500 kilometers at this point, um, which is about maybe, I don't know, 200 miles or something like that. And they, they're, they're already uh, gasping in fear at Japanese torpedo boats. Japanese torpedo boats have a limited range. They cannot be sailing all the way around the world to Denmark. The Japanese are blockading Port Arthur. These guys have basically left port and said, oh, no, the Japanese, and started shooting at fishing boats. Yeah, I was going to say, man, they are way out there. <laughs> now, the fishing boat actually turned out to be some fishermen who had been dispatched by the Tsar himself to deliver a message to uh, Rostovsky uh, to tell him basically <laughs> that he had been promoted. <laughs> They're coming up to him like, oh, I have great news for you. Why are you shooting? <laughs> it is a testament to how well trained they were in the fact that um, they, the, these fishermen were not killed. They survived. Nothing happened to them. They missed the boat completely. Yeah, like your boss runs into the conference room to tell you you got a raise and you just punch him in the face before he can get it out. <laughs> Except it's not your boss. It's a poor fisherman. But I mean, you get the analogy. It's great. But like, I, I don't know if I can emphasize this enough. There is a fleet of Russian ships who have opened fire on a shipping boat, on a fishing boat, and none of them have hit it. Yeah, I mean, that's an important detail, too. That doesn't bode well for when it is somebody trying to kill you. <laughs> like, imagine, if you will, like some millionaire riding his yacht into the American Pacific fleet and them being unable to hit him. Like, that would be ridiculous. Yeah, he just ducks for cover and hears, like, 500,000 bullets go by and then he just stands up and, like, oh, well, I guess that's that. 
Okay, anyway, good news for Rostovsky because he's been informed, he's been promoted to vice admiral. <laughs> <laughs> they decide that so the guy going... still finished the job. He's like, hey, <laughs> yeah, did not really like the uh, try to kill me part. Anyway, congrats on job. <laughs> the, the credit to the fishermen, they had um, <laughs> they had finished the job that they had been sent to do, despite being fired on by the Russian Navy. I mean, they'd be really great as like an Uber Eats driver, I think. <laughs> like that shit is going to get there. <laughs> anyway, the Russian fleet then continues on around Denmark. So they, they've decided, okay, we're going to continue on our voyage here. They pass around Denmark and they get to the Dogger Bank, which is relatively shallow water between... I guess you could say between the United Kingdom and the Netherlands. Famous for their um, fish soup. <laughs> so the Dogger Bank is just an area of ocean which is famous for people fishing in it. Now, we know how the Russian fleet reacts to <laughs> fishing vessels. Like, Jesus Christ, Japanese everywhere. <laughs> This is exactly what happened. Okay, so the next part is is referred to as the Battle of Dogger Bank. Now, it's it's strange to call it a battle because it's the Russian Navy versus some British fishing boats. It's just Navy guys just like punching fishermen in the face. <laughs> okay, so they sail into the Dogger Bank. They mistake a bunch of these British fishing boats for vessels. A number of Russian ships start signaling that they've been hit by torpedoes, which is not possible. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> you have to keep in mind. Ah, that this thought was torpedo. <laughs> Turns out he just threw mackerel. <laughs> uh, you have to keep in mind that they're still incredibly far from Japan here. There are no Japanese torpedo boats in the area. Most of the fleet is panicking at this point. On one ship, the crew are putting on life belts and lying down on the deck, expecting the boat to sink at any moment. On some of the other ships, uh, officers and various crew are running around with swords, uh, claiming that the ship is being boarded by Japanese. None of this is happening, by the way. So the, the boats aren't being torpedoed. They aren't sinking. And there are no Japanese boarding. The Japanese aren't even there. All that's happening is that a bunch of trigger-happy people are firing at British fishing trawlers. It's like that Futurama episode that they're on a boat and like literally every time anything whatsoever happens, Bender's like, abandon ship! <laughs> Pretty much. I, I'm going to spoiler myself here and say I don't think they're going to get there at this point. Well, they do get there, but at what cost? <laughs> Substantial. <laughs> okay. So during all of this firing, the Russians damage four British trawlers and sink one. That'll teach you to fish, you fucks. <laughs> now, during the Battle of the Dogger Bank, uh, the cruisers uh, Avrora and Donskoy are also damaged. So they're shooting each other. Yeah, they're shooting each other. The fishermen aren't firing back in this battle that they've caused against the fishermen. No, <laughs> no, they're not. <laughs> surprise, surprise. They're just holding up handfuls of worms. <laughs> like, what, what are we doing here? <laughs> Some battleships have fired over 500 shells without hitting anything, Russian or British. So they... I'm guessing there wasn't a lot of training before this mission. Uh, they eventually attempt some training later in the mission, but we will get to that. I mean, they probably should have already had that knocked out. They should have. You, you, you would think that when you send a, a ship to, to sea that the people who are on them are already trained, but not in this case. Well, I mean, I'm not going to tell them how to do the job, so we'll see how it goes. <laughs> Okay, anyway, so the British are furious about this. The Russians are issuing an apology. It's not enough. The, the only thing that they're able to do to appease, appease the British is they agree to drop some officers off on the, the coast of Spain uh, in order to answer for this. Uh, Rus uh, I'm going to have trouble saying that all, all the time. Vodka face. Yeah, okay, vodka face. 
uses it as an opportunity to get rid of his more critical and probably more competent officers by claiming they were responsible for it. But now the, the fleet has a problem because the British are pissed off at them and uh, they control the Suez Canal. Which they're going to need that guy. That guy? The Suez Canal. They're going to need that guy. <laughs> yeah, they're going to need it for sure, right? Like, I'm, I'm demonstrating this for Biscuit right here, but uh, their plan is to sail through the Straits of Gibraltar, through the Suez Canal, and then cut across the Indian Ocean, which is already a long trip. Wasn't the Suez the one that, like a cargo ship fucked up a few months ago and like it was it yeah. devastated the global economy. Yes, that's the one. <laughs> yeah, so like the guys in control of that one, like it's it's important. You don't want them mad. Yeah, no, exactly, right? Because it, it's the shortcut. If you're sending stuff by ship from Asia, that's the shortcut which you take to bring stuff around into Europe. And now uh Rostovensky uh, cannot use this route. So he's basically, instead of taking his original route, where he was going to go through the, uh, the uh, Suez Canal, he now has to sail all the way around Africa, past Madagascar, and then through the Indian Ocean. Which is probably slapping a month on this thing. And I'm pretty sure, isn't that like upper western region of Africa, like those waters are, you don't want to do that? Uh, for what reason? I I mean, I'm probably talking out my ass because I don't know anything. I thought it was some area around that region that, like, it is tough sledding. Like, it is dangerous waters that you, you, you try to find different options. I don't know if at this point with, like, because at this point they're using, like, modern uh, steamships and, and fuel-powered ships and things like that. I don't know if that would have been as much of an issue and I'm not too familiar with how bad the seas are around Africa. So maybe if they were like using sail ships or something like that, it would have been a problem. But I think at this point, like the ships are modern enough that that's not really an issue. There's also a high probability. What I just said is not based in reality. And I just got from something. So uh, it, it could be, I don't know. I'm not a sailor. Right. So I couldn't tell you. Neither are these guys. <laughs> Like in terms of the ships that they're using, there's not much difference between the ships they were using at the time and the the more modern ships that we have. I mean, the more modern ones we have have like a bit more updated armament and stuff like that, and are probably more efficient and faster. But they're they're big steel boats at this point, so like it, it wouldn't have really been an issue, I think. Well, let's find out. <laughs> okay all right anyway so now they're forced to continue around africa uh they continue around the uh, cape of africa uh they have to resupply because of course they fired most of their shells at british fishing trawlers <laughs> yeah <laughs> so they do yeah the um the munitions um they're not really being cost efficient with that i'd say mm -hmm. anyway since they're spending all of it blowing up fish <laughs> even even in their resupply missions that they took over uh, going around africa they uh they they somehow managed to fuck this up too at one point they took on extra coal because they thought they would need extra coal so they took double loads unfortunately because yeah, i bet they, they did yeah <laughs> Uh, unfortunately, because they had so much extra coal and because they're now in the humid climate of Africa, this caused some respiratory problems with several crew members, um, quite a few of them dying from blocked lungs. <laughs> so I don't even really know how to frame that. So they fucked up having coal. <laughs> yes, basically. Nice. <laughs> at uh one point the uh they they did encounter a storm the kamchatka which was one of the boats that was part of the fleet uh caused panic when they sent the code uh, do you see torpedo boats when they meant to say we are all right well i mean who hasn't made that mistake and how many boats sank when they tried to shoot the storm 
<laughs> they didn't actually try to shoot the storm. Now, eventually they finally make it to the southern tip of Africa. They approach Cape Town in what is now modern South Africa. And uh, this is where things become weird. Because them murdering each other with coal wasn't weird. Well, yeah, well, yeah, everything about this is weird, but weirder, I guess. Uh, this is where the, the, the crewmen, they get some shore leave. They're basically allowed some time, rest and relaxation on the shore. Now, of course, this being Africa and, you know, sailors are big money. The markets there are designed with sailors in mind. The, the sailors, I guess, having no idea what to do and buy on shore, a bunch of them bought exotic animals. Right. Um, well, maybe they can throw them at some fishermen later. <laughs> so now the a guy out there relaxing, he looks up and there's a fucking tiger getting <laughs> fucking jettisoned at him. <laughs> this caused the Russian fleet to be turned into a floating zoo as a bunch of bizarre animals are now roaming around on their decks. Probably inhaling coal dust as well. I mean, that's kind of fun anyway. You got like a mobile zoo. <laughs> it was also around this time that the Esperance, which is one of these ships, uh, their refrigeration ship broke down, causing all their meat to go bad, which they had to throw overboard. So they started eating coal. They started eating the exotic animals. <laughs> They didn't start eating the exotic animals, but in throwing a lot of this rotting meat overboard, they now had uh, a big pool of sharks that continued to follow them. <laughs> oh, great. That's got to really boost morale when there's a whole bunch of sharks just like next to you looking up like better not fuck up. Ah, <laughs> uh, Okay. Uh, also things th th this is at the point where they, they take a turn towards Madagascar as they're starting to head towards the Indian ocean. Now, uh, things start going bad again as, uh, some of these animals, uh, run amok at one point, a snake wraps itself around one of the cannons on one of the ships and causes panic when it, uh, it bites one of the officers. This is of course a poisonous snake. So the officer probably died that's one i never understood that mindset i mean people still do it now but i mean who wakes up and they're like you know what i could use in my life a poisonous snake <laughs> on like, a boat uh, on a boat yeah that helps too but like this like if you ever go to somebody's house and they're like i need to go feed my python fucking leave they ain't right <laughs> Actually, pythons are not poisonous. Well, boy, we're nitpicky today, aren't we? Okay. <laughs> it is right around this time, of course, that uh, the Admiral also becomes severely ill and he is confined to his cabin. Uh, now, of course, the Russian Navy is a very top-down sort of uh, organization <laughs> as well. So at this point, no one's really in charge of the Navy. Oh, here, you look sick. Eat more coal. <laughs> it was at this point they take a little bit more shore leave in Madagascar, where, of course, uh, the crewmen all go and buy a bunch of alcohol and get incredibly drunk. Uh, some of them buy cigarettes. Unfortunately, most of the cigarettes are full of, full of opium. Oh, I mean, that's, that one's going to catch you off guard. <laughs> Eventually, I remember make... that time I accidentally smoked crack, and that was a weird couple hours. Like, okay, well, <laughs> they eventually make it into the Indian Ocean, and the admiral recovers. He's well enough, and he decides that now might be a good time to train his fleet. I mean, he wakes up to a bunch of guys tripping balls, and there's snakes everywhere. I think it was a good time to just leave. <laughs> Like, hey, it looks like you have under control. <laughs> it's at this point that he says, okay, it's time for some target practice training. So they have one of the, the boats from the fleet uh, tow a target <laughs> that they are training their troops to track and fire to hit. The time for target practice. Where is Fisherman? 
Now, the stationary target is uh, was never hit. They could not hit the stationary target. Like nobody? Nobody. Not one of the battleships, flagships, destroyers, or anybody was ever able to hit the target. One of them did manage to score a hit on the boat that was towing the target, but they did not hit the target. Well, I mean, at least somebody hit something. We're making progress. <laughs> Seven torpedoes were fired at one point. One of them jammed. Three missed the target. Two of them missed and turned around, causing a circle uh, and to back towards the Russian ships. <laughs> that sounds like something out of like fucking Bugs Bunny. I didn't even know they could do that. Oh, they can, apparently. This did cause panic. Um, apparently... Nothing happened. Uh, the, the the Kamchatka did event at one point send a, sig- a signal saying it was sinking. Uh, it turned out that they had just had a steam pipe crack in the <laughs> engine room. <laughs> they meant to send everything's fine again. <laughs> perhaps, perhaps. Abandoned but- ship. <laughs> but- <laughs> it was at this point they finally crossed the Indian Ocean. They managed to make it all the way to the Sea of Japan. And at this point, they now engage the Japanese fleet. I mean, do you think when they were, like, given the order to engage them, they didn't, like, look at the captain? Like, did you uh, see us with target? Uh, Not so good. Um, Like, they can't have any confidence. Now, here's a little bit of a story about how the battle initiated. And I'm not sure if it's true because I'm having a very hard time finding out if I can actually prove this. But apparently, one of the medical ships from the Russian Navy sent a signal to another ship saying, do you know if there are any Japanese in the area? And unfortunately, they were sending the signal to a Japanese ship. (laughs) I'm not going to do a Japanese accent, yeah, um, but no. they must have when they, yeah, I'm not going to do that one. Um, <laughs> no, um, they must've gotten that message and just been like, well, this is going to be easy. <laughs> nope. <laughs> this is the point at which the Japanese engage the Russians in battle. Uh, it is completely disastrous for the Russians. I can't believe it. It is a very one-sided Japanese victory. Um, 4,000 Russian sailors killed, three admirals, more than 7,000 captured. Uh, The Japanese sunk eight battleships, nine cruisers, and a bunch of other warships. Uh, In comparison, the Japanese, they did lose some boats. They lost three torpedo boats, which are very small. Um, and 116 Like one guy stubbed his toe and some fish died. (laughs) 116 killed and 530 wounded. So a little bit more than some fish dying. But if you contrast 4,000 to 116. 4,000? Holy shit. I didn't realize that they were packing that many. Well, this is like a good chunk of the Russian fleet. Like they went there to basically tell the Japanese who's boss, right? Like to say, no, we're the empire in this area. And the Japanese were like, -uh." (laughs) nah, okay, (laughs) watch this. (laughs) Um, Now, you, you have to keep in mind that this is probably the first time in that contemporary history where a European power had been defeated by a non-European power. At at that time, like, I mean, I suppose still today, there was the racist concept that, uh, you know, European powers are superior and that everybody else is just a bunch of savages. So to a lot of Europe... Yeah, we used to have a president that thought that. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> a lot of Europe, uh, Russia especially, were in complete shock. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's got to be a humiliating defeat, not just because they got their ass kicked, but by whom? Yeah, exactly. At the, I mean, at the time, nobody thought j- of Japan as, as a power, l- regional or otherwise. And basically, the, the Russian Navy, who people thought, yeah, this is a formidable force, went there and then evaporated under the might of the Japanese fleet. So this was 
a, a huge wake-up call for for Europe to say, uh, maybe our racist notion of superiority doesn't you know hold up so well. The, the the Russians were so traumatized by this this defeat that it caused a revolution. Yeah, I mean that's when you know you fucked up when the people are like, we're just gonna start over. Two months after a treaty between Russia and Japan was signed, the 1905 revolution kicked off in Russia hardcore. I mean, like it was already brewing. Like there was already a lot of people who weren't satisfied with the way that things were going. It probably would have happened at one point, but when they saw what happened to the Russian Navy, they were just like, yeah, these guys have no idea what they're doing. It's time to revolt. Yeah. Well, that's how feudalism typically ends. I mean, all those guys at the bottom, it's not if it's when they're just waiting for their chance. And then they're like, all right, this is bullshit. Let's go. <laughs> I mean, it's it, if they were still loyal to the czar and like the whole system that ha- that was in place, uh, this certainly showed them that they shouldn't be. I mean, this this isn't the, the revolution that brought the Bolsheviks into power and led to communism. It was one of the first of many revolutions that would rock Russia at the beginning of the century. I mean, the Tsar was still in place after this for a while, but it, it, it was a huge upset to them. It does seem that way. Well, look where they are now. <laughs> They're in like really nice feudalism. <laughs> Biscuit, what have we learned from this? Um, sometimes just pull out a map, look at it and look at what you need to do to achieve your goal. Then think about what you can do and be like, nah, that's what they should have done. <laughs> I mean, as for the amount of time it took to get there, right? They finally arrived on the 11th of May, 1905, and they left in, uh, what did I say? October 19 or no. Uh, yeah. October 1904. So that so like eight months seven and change yes about roughly seven yeah 16th of october 1904 so it took them basically seven months and a bit to get all the way there and then send the entire russian navy to the bottom of the ocean imagine you're traveling somewhere to do something for like over seven months and then you just go there and literally fail at a historical level this is going to be disappointing. <laughs> Rojstvensky uh, did not go down with his ship, but he did commit suicide at the end of the war. Oh, I would imagine the uh, people back home kind of encouraged it. Yeah, like, uh, you can do it yourself or uh, who knows, uh, accidentally fall downstairs. <laughs> like, they this- must have been pissed. <laughs> this is not the first major tragedy that the russian navy had there are others maybe some for a future episode but for now that's the end of the russo-japanese war so i think our big takeaway is don't try to go fuck up japan maybe don't try and fuck up anybody no let's all be nice to each other yeah i'd say hug each other but then you're gonna transfer the virus and kill somebody so you know like wave from afar yeah yeah. All right. So, biscuit. Ride your bicycle. <laughs> should we plug something? Ah. Uh, well, I mean, if you got something, I'm not going to plug this joke book I have. I got nothing. Okay. Um, we don't think anything else is good. <laughs> Actually, I will mention something in between the Steven Seagal episode and now i forget when but there's another uh, podcast called behind the bastards i'm not sure if i mentioned it here before but they read portions of steven seagal's book on their podcast they basically did a summary of it it's like it's called like the way of the shadow wolf or something like that it's hilariously it, terrible that sounds like that's the only title i could imagine him making a book i didn't really put that sentence together too well but you know what i meant <laughs> I know what you mean, but it is it is hilariously bad. Uh, let them read it for you. Don't go read it yourself. 
uh, they give a very funny summary of it. I'd like to just mention that. And if you must read it, don't buy it. <laughs> okay, so uh, Twitter at Big Bad Nonsense, where Biscuit will just basically grief you if you tweet at him. Uh, Big Bad Nonsense at gmail.com if you want to send us some messages. Or uh, you can find us on uh, Stitcher, SoundCloud, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and TuneIn. I think that's the cleanest you've ever done that. I think that is the cleanest I have ever done that because I'm reading it off a little piece of paper attached to my computer. Well, I was going to say, so all we need to do to get you to read that right is take like three months off. (laughs) Uh, Actually, I'm working on putting us on Amazon Music too, so I'll probably have to add to that list. Oh, that's just going to be chaos. Now you got to do six. I know. It's going to be crazy. Absolutely crazy. Anyway, I got nothing else to say. Say goodbye, Biscuit. Goodbye. See you guys again in a couple months. (laughs) Hopefully sooner. Yeah, unless it's sooner. (laughs) All right, super. Bye. Either take that one and see if you can get it into better working order or get yourself a laptop or steal your mom's old one or something. I don't know. The one I have is my mom's old one. Yeah, but your, uh, your, your mom's newer old one. I don't know. That made no yeah. sense.